Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Jeanine Tunnel the Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everybody's enjoying their day so pretty day here in New York City. Cold, but it's clear, and as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, so much has happened this week. I mean, we see the uh, hostages uh, coming back, all 50 of them, in exchange for 150 convicted Palestinians from jail in Israel, a 3-1 ratio there. Uh, and we continue to see assaults on are uh, servicemen serving in Iraq and Syria by the uh, proxies of Iran. And so the question that uh, remains is, during this uh, lull or uh, ceasefire, uh, will Hamas be able to regroup and regain its strength? We're going to be talking to Colonel David Hunt on that. Uh, And what are the implications now? Because it seems that this is not just a, a war between Israel and Hamas. We've got other countries involved. We've got, obviously, Iran, Lebanon, Yemen, and the United States. So how long uh, before this becomes even bigger than a regional war, and what might trigger that? Plus, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Kanta Ahmed, uh, who has just come back from Israel. She's a physician, and she has witnessed uh, the the stunning uh, violence that uh, occurred uh, by Hamas uh, in Israel, uh, and she talks about what it was like going through the morgues and uh, her connections with the IDF and what they've been telling her. And we're going to give you a little update on the uh, Danny Penny case, the Marine veteran who's been charged by that uh, liberal Soros-funded DA, uh, uh, Alvin Bragg in, uh, in Manhattan with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide for being a good Samaritan and putting a chokehold on that individual, that mentally deranged homeless individual got on that train subway car and said, you know, someone's going to die today, that he was ready to die. A lot of things happening with that case. So uh, after all of those guests, you'll be far more informed than you are at the beginning of the hour. It's all coming up in just a few moments here. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Donate it by donate. (laughs) And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 dollars a month to Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's a great organization, folks. They give people hope. They give people a chance uh, and overcoming depression. That's T, the number two, T.org. Go ahead, do it. It's the holidays. And up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with the show's friend, my friend, Colonel David Hunt, coming right up here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Judge Janine. Hi, everybody. I'm Kathy Lee Gifford, and I've been blessed to have a wonderful career for a lot of years. People still come up to me all the time and they go, How are you, Kathy Lee? How's your va va voom? And uh, I laugh with them and I tell them, still going strong, still taking my balance of nature every day and telling all my friends and loved ones to do the same. Because it's balance of nature, changing the world one life at a time. 
Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order with free shipping and our money back guarantee. That's 1-800-246-8751. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code KLG. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Joining us now is a friend of the show, Colonel David Hunt, uh, who has joined us many times on this issue and what's going on. Uh, Colonel David Hunt, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Now it is Sunday morning. We've seen several hostages released. Uh, And I think the most painful part for me as I watch this is that there are three Palestinians being released for every Israeli hostage. Uh, How how did we agree to that? Or how did Israel? I mean, I consider us part of Israel, but that's just me. How did Israel agree to that? Uh, It's always been the case. Uh, If you remember the lieutenant, I don't know how many years ago, seven years ago, Israeli lieutenant was captured, maybe it was longer. Anyways, the the Israeli government... uh, agreed and released a thousand prisoners for one Israeli lieutenant. I remember that. You're right. So it's always been the case that Israel has been willing to give up whatever they number they have to, to get their citizens back. Uh, This was the people that we are, the rest of us have to understand that a three to one ratio of, so three Palestinians, who have been arrested for terrorism. These aren't convicted, people that are jaywalked. Convicted, yep. And now, they, the Israelis were te- are telling us that none of them were directly involved in murdering Israeli citizens, but were part of a group that murdered Israeli citizens. All right, so, so I, if I mean, you I stabbed them, but you didn't kill them, it's okay, we'll let you go. I'm just telling you, so that's, <laughs> that's where we're, that's, in order to get this done, Israel has to swallow some really tough pills but has always been willing to do this throughout their history since 48 it, uh, and period. And it's, so that's, that's how it's happened. And we, we're in the U S has been in a total support mode mm-hmm. of Israel. You know, All, right. Not, yeah. All right. So let's talk about the fact that 50 are released. Now we've got another 150 that we know of who were still there. Uh, and it obviously behooves Hamas to keep them alive. So, I mean, th- 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 it's it's very interesting, though, that uh, you, every once in a while we'll find a body. The Israelis will find a body of someone who was a hostage. Uh, but for the most part, they're being kept alive. So if, if we kind of extrapolate here, we got 50 after uh, October, November, I don't know, seven, eight weeks. Uh, to get 150, I mean, we're going to have to wait six months for this. Can they draw this out? It's to Hamas's benefit, is it not? It's 100 percent to Hamas's benefit, and of course to the families and the and the hostages themselves. But Hamas needed a break. They're willing to do this because Israel is is devastating them, along with the the rest of the of Gaza. Uh, a lot of pressure, worldwide pressure on Israel just to get, get a break. And then in the middle of this, 
There are 200-plus trucks now going to be allowed daily into Gaza. That's the only way they get food, water, electricity, et cetera. And that's been opened up. So Hamas could, can, uh, because Israel's willing to do this, uh, uh, make this a longer process as they want to make it. Now, if they screw this process up, and I'm really glad they didn't on this first batch of hostages, then Israel goes back at, 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 at on this war um, and are going to com- complete what they wanted to do in the north, and then they're going to go down in the south of Gaza. But we all have to remember that it's only 25 miles long, three to five miles wide. It's not a big place, 141 square miles. And so there's a, a million-plus Palestinians that have moved from the north to the south. Right. Well, Israel does their damage in the north. And then when Israel says, hey, but, you know, they start doing it in the south, those million people are going to have to come come back north. And the problem is there's nothing in the north to go to. It's, it's devastated. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it, it's been rubble. It, and, and that's the choice that Israel has made on how to fight Hamas. Um, they, they want them gone. I don't know if it's possible to make a deal that gets Hamas out, you know, take them to Tunisia or something, or Israel, Israel is not going to settle for that and wants them all killed. But w- to do that, there are going to be a lot more civilian casualties in this war. You know, the amazing part of this is uh, that once, I mean, you have this visual of the what was it, 2.3 uh, uh, Palestinians in Gaza, they're moving to the south, and then they've got to move them back to the north, but they'll have to live in tents because El-Sisi from Egypt says, I'm not taking them. Abdullah, even though Queen Rania, can, you know, she can just you know sputter all she wants about Palestine. Her husband said, I got a red line here. They're not coming here. I mean, what, wasn't there a problem with, with his grandfather, King Hussein, with the Palestinians? Uh, and so where, who's going to take them? That's not, yeah, that's, well, right now, that's not even being discussed. I mean, you, you've already, the two obvious places, you have said no. Um, and that gets to the, the biggest issue, which is how do you get Palestine a place to live? And that right now is not even part of this war. Right now, this war, which has has uh, metastasized, Judge, to it, to the U.S. shooting down missiles coming out of Yemen. So U.S. and Yemen, Lebanon, Syria and Iraq, because U.S. soldiers have been attacked 62 times, mm-hmm. and Iran are all, in, are all shooting right now. That's a regional war. So the, the country, issue wait a minute, of, let's talk about what, what countries yeah, are involved. Israel. Mm-hmm. United States is, I mean, actually, I'm not talking about yeah. talking about it. I mean, they're actually shooting. Yeah, we Israel, are shooting. Yep. We are shooting. The United States, from U.S. stories, is shooting down missiles coming out of Yemen, shot by the Tutsis. Mm-hmm. Um, Syria and Iraq, U.S. soldiers are being attacked, what, 62, 63 times, and are shooting back um, from both Syria and Iraq. Iran, who's backing both. Yeah. Lebanon, which is involved because Hezbollah just two days ago shot about 100 missiles into, into Israel. So you've got seven, six or seven countries absolutely shooting. That's a regional war. That's not, that's not Gaza and, and, and Israel, and that is dangerous. Well, you know, the and interesting blow, part about it. 
Yeah. The the interesting part of this, and and we can talk about how it blows up even more, um, is that the United States has not been very aggressive in the sense that, you know, we've got many Americans injured with traumatic brain injury uh, from all of these attacks. And it took us about 60 of the attacks to, you know, finally shoot a, what do we shoot up, an artillery warehouse or something? We've done, we've had three counterattacks, mm-hmm. two, both, first two by F-15s, and we shot off warehouse. The third time, because the, the Iranian-backed militia shot a ballistic missile at U.S. soldiers in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And there was an AC-130, uh, there was an aircraft up uh, that saw where these missiles came from, and they returned fire and killed some mo- militia and blew up some stuff. But we have not been aggressive at all, as you said, in protecting U.S. soldiers, um, period. And it, it's because ta- I guarantee, guarantee that we're going to get a soldier, the soldier's going to get killed. Right. And the prop, uh, lack of response is going to be one of the reasons. Uh, the lack of response so far, given how many times they've attacked our soldiers. And these attacks are going on in Iran and Syria. Is that correct? In Iraq, Iraq and Iraq, I'm sorry, in Syria. Yeah. But they're yeah. being backed by Iran. These are Iranian-backed militia, trained and supplied, we, uh, period. So, yeah, so we, it, it's, it is now, I said it three times, it's a regional war. I know mm-hmm. we're paying attention to these kids coming out of Gaza, obviously mm-hmm. the story. But the big, the big story is how this has turned into a regional war and how, how dangerous that is and how it could blow up. How could it blow up? What would cause it to blow up, Colonel David Hunt? Uh, we decide to go into and hit something in Iran. Uh, mm-hmm. American soldiers get killed. You get not just one, you get more than one. You mm-hmm. pray that doesn't happen. But mm-hmm. uh, that, that could cause us to get much more involved. Uh, the Israel and, and Hezbollah, which is in southern Lebanon, could go at it like Israel's going at it in Gaza. Right. The West Bank could West blow up. West Bank. Yep. So yep. It, and all this and all this. Um, so Israel fights on three fronts. We have two aircraft carrier groups in the area. Um, that's a cauldron. That's a oh, somebody drops. Somebody makes a mistake. A, a missile goes the wrong place. Something gets shot down. Um, and you're and you're fighting a bunch bigger war than we are now. But the people. The country's involved. It's a worldwide effort. I mean, the U.S. and Iran, That's which is back. There's a lot of Russia in this one. There's some Chinese in this one. It's a dangerous time. It is a very dangerous time. And given the fact that, uh, you know, that, that Hamas has our ties, our hands tied behind our back to a certain extent until we get all of those hostages out, I mean, they gave this a lot of thought. They knew what would happen. I mean, they, they, their game of chess is a, a pretty sophisticated one. Yes or no? The, yes, uh, but it, it was enabled by a, an absolute failure, collapse yeah. um, of the Israeli uh, intelligence community and the IDF. None of this, we keep, this is not in a vacuum. This, they planned this for two years. And the, they, Israel did not react. They broke in 40 different places along their border. And, and the response by the IDF is as bad as the intelligence failure. So, yes, 
they Hamas it, it did great planning, yes, and, and Iran is assisting trains, et cetera. But the other piece of this, at least half of this, is on Israel for not being a company. Well, I mean, why, why, and, what were they doing? It's kind of like the FBI here. They're so involved in January 6th, they can't figure out what's going on in some of the real problem areas. But what do you, where were they? Where was Mossad, Shin Bet? How could they not know this? They, they, uh, the issue, okay, is that they did know. They tried to get the attention of the prime of Netanyahu, who was, if you remember, involved in getting the, a change in the way Israel is governed by lessening the power of the Supreme Court. There were thousands and thousands of people um, and reservists, uh, government officials protesting for weeks in Israel. And the feeling is that the Israeli government lost its focus because of this political issue that was going on. Okay, so he wants judicial reform. He's got everybody focused on that. But their very existence, I mean, their enemy is across the street. I would not suggest that this is all Netanyahu's fault. I'm simply saying that that, that the, the failure is so pronounced. And Shin Bet and, and, and the Mossad and the idea of a world-class organization. Yeah. So, well, we missed nine, look, we missed 9-11, right? We, we, we've all been through this on how 9-11 happened without us knowing about it. Well, the and, CIA and, didn't talk to the FBI, and this one right. didn't talk to that one. Yeah. Right. Okay, so... A very similar thing, but it more uh, egregious when you consider how, as you know, you've been there six or seven times in Israel, how close everything is. Mm-hmm. This isn't across Stunning. the pond. This is like three miles apart. Right. And they didn't see it coming. And the lack of response, how slow and disjointed the response by IDF was yep. to the kibbutzes, which yeah. wound up defending themselves in many cases. Yes. Um, yes. That's it's terrible. So it's it's not it's very it's oversimplifies that Hamas, 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 Hamas. Yes, yes, terrorism, evil. Yes, but hey, Israel. Well, how did you? How does this happen? Mm-hmm. And that we're not going to be allowed to talk talk about that until after this war. That, I think that the Hamas plays this out and offers up another five or ten. They uh, Hamas needs a breather. Hamas needs to be refitted, refueled. Um, they, their tunnels without fuel, which they still have, though, you can't keep air going through these tunnels, which is their, 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 their the only defense Hamas has against Israel is other tunnels. And right. And they're in danger. So they Hamas needs all the time they can to get the, the fuel and food and munitions and fighters um, uh, rest, arrest. Israel needs arrest to refit and rearm as well. Will pushing into a city like this is difficult. It's time consuming. It's exhausting. So men and equipment need a break on both sides, which is why a big reason why this thing was agreed to. Colonel David Hunt, we love you. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. You bet. Take care. All right. Thanks. And never forget that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org.
Now imagine if your favorite dog or cat belonged to someone else all this time. Then one day she was tossed into the wilderness, feeling alone, frightened, hungry, thirsty. That's exactly what happens to countless pets every day. But some of them get lucky and cross paths with Delta Rescue, the world's largest no-kill, care-for-life animal sanctuary. Once an animal is rescued by Delta, they live their life out at their incredible sanctuary, home for up to 1,500 animals. They save dogs. Dogs and cats and horses that are abandoned in the wilderness. Every animal receives the best care, and Delta relies solely on contributions from people like you and me. Now, it costs a fortune to run Delta, especially with an animal hospital on site. By being part of Delta's mission, you can make a difference between life and death for many animals. Please join me. Give from your heart. Help this great organization. Donate today at DeltaRescue.org slash Piro. That's DeltaRescue.org slash Piro. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. All right, welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a medical doctor, a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, who's written a fascinating book called In the Land of Invisible Women. Uh, her name is Dr. Kanta Ahmed. She is a friend that I've known for many years. And uh, Dr. Ahmed has uh, just come back from Israel after having gone there uh, to do her own investigation uh, and investigate on behalf of uh, several organizations of what's going on in Israel and in Gaza. Uh, Dr. Ahmed, thanks so much for being with us. Talk to us about what you did, why you went, and what you found out. Well, I, in fact, went just as a private individual Within days of seeing uh, the news of October 7th, which I regard now as categorically a genocide against the Israeli people, against the Jewish people, um, within days here in the United States, I began seeing the denial of this atrocity, including from uh, very professional people, educated people, Americans, Muslims. And I just found that so uh, devastating that I felt I had to go and see for myself. I have very good relations with um, members of the Israeli Defense Forces, Mm -hmm. and one of them opened the door for me, former deputy commander of the Gaza Division, Kobe Vela, Mm -hmm. and said, look, if you want to see, we can make some calls, but you come at your own risk. It was not a formal invitation. And I was able to see within less than two weeks since the event. So I was on the ground already on October 19th. And I walked through the homes that were violated in the Kibbutz Beri. I saw the remains of murders in these homes. I visited and met with survivors. I'm a volunteer member of the Shoah Foundation. I took testimony and recorded stories of survivors, eyewitnesses, adults, children, all of whom had been terrorized by Hamas. Many of these civilians had been able to uh, defend their families and and defend their homes and escape. And then, because I am a physician, I also requested to see evidence of the genocide prosecuted on the bodies of the dead. And so I was taken into, for many hours, the military bases at al-Shura outside of Tel Aviv, where the dead first arrived in the hundreds. I met Israeli police, 
detectives, Israeli military. I walked in the containers that contain, each container contained 48 bodies of deceased oh. people. I saw the deceased people in there. And then I went to Abu Kabir, which is the International Center of Forensic Science, um, and met with Dr. Hen Kugel and went into the morgue. And I witnessed the remains of Israelis, most likely soldiers, um, who had been incinerated. Uh, when, when, when a human body is incinerated, DNA does not remain. So I looked at mm-hmm. bones. I looked at teeth. I looked at the photographs of the charred remains. Can you believe I was in the wet morgue looking at bodies and uh, witnessing the external examination of bodies that had been executed in multiple different ways uh, when Queen Rania was announcing that she wasn't sure of the evidence? I'm going to stop about that. I'm going to stop you there, Dr. First of all, your, your description is stunning. Uh, the reality and the truth of what you saw is is un, un, incontrovertible. And yet America and many people here and around the world not only are saying it didn't happen, but they are taking down the images of hostages. Uh, it is it is stunning. The reaction of the world to this, the greatest devastation to Jews since the Holocaust. Can you make yes. sense of it? Yeah, and I know you're saying this as a woman of Middle Eastern heritage with yes. deep faith, and I know you're saying this as a lawyer who's prosecuted violations, including against women and girls. Yep. And so, yes, it it is very devastating and shocking, not only the actual denial, like tearing down the poster of a missing child. I'm old enough to remember when Americans were held hostage by Iran and how the world rallied around that for 13 months till they came home. Right, Um, exactly. I think this is evidence of the rampant anti-Semitism that has been legitimized through a marriage of Islamist ideology and ultra-left-wing politics. It has now become normal to be anti-Semitic and lethally anti-Semitic. It has become normal in the United States where we defend the right to creed and the right to practice, and we have laws against discrimination. I also think in some ways, and we've been talking about this, God forbid, God forbid, when the Holocaust was perpetrated, there was no social media. There was no deep fake technology. There was no misinformation propagating. So it's not only the denial, but the speed and and the desensitization to violence that is growing so deeply. I sat with with the students at universities, other universities in, in New York, not my own, where people are being subject to pro-Hamas faculty, subject to taunts and intimidation as, uh, as Jewish people in our own city here. You know, you know, Dr. Ahmed, Dr. Kanta Ahmed, you know, it is, it is, it is stunning. It is, it is, it is, it, is, it, it, just, it makes no sense. But more than that, the question is, how can they deny the reality? Because when you talk about the Holocaust, you were very correct. They did it secretly. They put people on trains. They were sending them to a better life. This it was was uh, occurred when they had GoPro uh, videos so that they could proclaim to the world, this is how we burnt, raped, and murdered Israelis. And yet they, they refused to actually... 
uh, recognize that it was Hamas that started this and not Israel. Yes, I, 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 I what can I say? How yeah. can I explain this kind of thinking? Other than there must be a deep and deeply cultivated hatred of the Jewish person. There must be so much dehumanization of the Jewish person Why? that these beliefs and acts have become mainstream. They not become only justified. Why? And yes, it, it's. I. 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 What? I think it's total animus. It is also a kind of delusion. Um, I saw these shocking remarks of Susan Sarandon, mm-hmm. who's almost celebrating hostility against Jews and saying. Well, this must be what it's like to be a Muslim in America. That kind of perverse uh, moral inversion, which is lies. I can tell you what it's like to be a Muslim in America. Unbelievable opportunity, unbelievable privilege, more representation and rights than any Muslim majority country or most Western countries could give me. But with left wing politics, the Muslim in America is indoctrinated to be a victim. There is nothing in my religion, nothing my prophet ever said, you are a victim. Never. We are absolutely privileged. And that victimhood is the keystone to Islamist ideology that wants Muslims to believe you're a victim. Well, let me ask you this. Parallel societies in the United States. Dr. Kata Ahmed, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You are a bright light on this topic. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. All right. Take care. Uh, By the way, folks, she's the real deal. Now, never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Judge Janine Show. This is the Helium Highlight Minute, sponsored by Desert Mountain Energy, an early mover among junior explorers in the helium space. Helium has become one of the most sought-after elements on Earth, yet is now in short supply. Desert Mountain Energy has positioned itself as a leader with the world's first solar-powered processing facility and over 100,000 acres within the U.S. Southwest, known to produce some of the world's richest helium. Many high-tech applications are totally dependent on helium. Helium, now a $6.5 billion market, is projected to grow sharply. Desert Mountain Energy, with its active development program, could play a vital role in meeting helium demand for years to come. It is time to look at helium and the crucial position of Desert Mountain Energy. This Helium Highlight Minute has been sponsored by Desert Mountain Energy, U.S. trading symbol DMEHF, and in Canada, DME. Web address, DesertMountainEnergy.com. The proceeding may contain forward-looking statements which may not be realized. Hi, everybody. I'm Kathy Lee Gifford, and I've been around a long time. Every one of us, as we age, realizes that things are changing in our bodies, in the world around us. Lots of times I don't like what's happening. Uh, so what can I do about it? Well, the one thing we can do is pray, right? The other thing we can do is take better care of ourselves. I do that by taking balance of nature because I'm not really good at nutrition. I'm too busy. I'm on the run. And I don't eat enough vegetables, and I certainly don't eat enough fruit. And when I take balance of nature, I can feel good that I've done something for myself that I can actually control. So take control. Get balance of nature. 
Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. Go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order with free shipping and our money-back guarantee. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-2468-751 and get this special offer by using discount code KLG. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is an attorney representing former Marine Danny Penny. Uh, please join me in welcoming Steve Razor to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Uh, a quick recap. You, I think you probably all remember this case from May 1st. Uh, uh, Marine veteran Danny Penny uh, was indicted in New York City for second-degree manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide uh, in May, on May 1st, I believe, for the death of a homeless, mentally deranged Jordan Neely, uh, who Danny Penny placed in a chokehold with the help of two other individuals on that subway. Uh, he is seen uh, by most as a good Samaritan. There are those who want to draw racial comparisons in this case which is totally irrelevant given the fact that most of the people on the train were people of color uh but the the defense attorneys for the marine have uh filed a motion where they've gotten several witnesses from that subway car who have actually heard him say that that danny uh jordan neely say i want to go to prison someone is going to die today and i'm ready to die indicating his uh, lethal intent to most on that train. Joining us is Steve Razor. Steve, you filed a motion with the court for the dismissal of these charges, and you've included affidavits from people on that subway car. Talk to us. Right. Well, that was the uh, the factual portion of the motion, which is largely unrefuted because nearly every witness on that train has indicated some variation of the same thing. Like this, this was not somebody that got on the train, uh, something you might expect when you're traveling and someone comes panhandling and maybe gets a little aggressive. Uh, this was seething anger. This was uh, anger that was uh, very much connected to action, the swinging of arms, getting in people's faces. People were fearful for their lives. That was clearly established, which sets up perfectly the self-defense claims. Right. Uh, and that's really not refuted by any of the any of the facts from any of the other witnesses. Another big part of this, and I, I believe is even more uh, resonating with the district attorney's office, as well as uh, the family attorneys of Mr. Neely, is that um, the foreseeability issue. Um, you know, Danny, it's clear based on the evidence of the two experts that Danny did everything in his power to ensure that Mr. Neely was not hurt. And nobody disputes the fact that Danny did not have the intention not only to not kill Mr. Neely, but to not injure him. And the experts that were called by the government substantiate that very point. Well, you know, it really is amazing. And I think most of New York was shocked when the liberal progressive George Soros funded DA Alan Alvin Bragg uh, decides uh, that he should be indicted for second degree manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide when most would agree that he was the good Samaritan who had the ability, uh, with the assistance of others on that underground moving subway car, to uh, subdue someone who was clearly a danger based upon pretty much everybody in that subway car. 
So right. kudos goes to you, uh, Steve Razor, and your partner, Tom Kniff, for finding the witnesses who are willing to put in affidavit form a sworn statement under penalty of perjury that they were in fear of their lives based upon what was happening. But you were so effective, Stephen Razor, that in the uh, as a result of your motion, there are several uh, reports that the attorneys for Jordan Neely's family uh, are now concerned about your motion seeking to dismiss the charges. Um, right. They are basically saying we are um, we are aware of you know these statements and we're concerned. What do you think? Yeah, well, absolutely. It was somewhat unusual, unexpected to see them come out and make statements on the record as to their concerns regarding the effectiveness of our motion, uh, because it's just it's uncontrovertible. I mean, the the evidence is the evidence. You you have the passers on the train, which is remarkable how uh, unified they are in supporting Danny and what Danny did to intervene to protect them and himself. Uh, But, you know, the the fact that when they read that motion, you, know, you have to understand the, the Neely attorneys, they didn't know what happened. They didn't read the grand jury testimony. So the, the first time they're hearing all the evidence is when we filed that motion. And, and I think, quite frankly, it was shocking to them to understand that this grand jury should not have indicted. This grand jury did get it wrong. And the, the evidence does not support the district attorney's theory because the district attorney's theory is not supported by the evidence. There, there are two experts that they called refute the idea that Danny should have known um, or had reason to believe that what he did would have killed Mr. Neely. And there's just, it was not foreseeable. And, and there's nothing in the record to support the notion that it was. Well, and, and you know, the amazing part of this is not only that he was uh, indicted, that the, the Marine veteran was indicted, but the fact that Jordan Neely, uh, who was a, you know, let's be straight about it. I mean, he was a mentally deranged uh, homeless man who comes in threatening people on a moving underground subway car where no one has the ability to get away. Uh, the, the, it is really sad that the attorneys for a Jordan Neely like didn't even know the facts, but they were willing to come out swinging on behalf of their client, uh, the client is dead. So obviously they're in the business of collecting money for that debt. And that is something that uh, when attorneys don't pay attention to the facts, uh, but make it all about race and all about, uh, you know, your client uh, being the, the, the bad guy when, in fact, it was a good Samaritan, that you have to wonder the quality uh, of their investigation at this point. But um, they made some very interesting comments about it, and it looks as though they're somewhat critical of the DA themselves. Um, it appears that way. I mean, the statements that they made were somewhat limited. Uh, but the truth is that the district attorney, just they don't have the evidence to support the charge. So there's not some sort of a technical failure in the presentation where you could point to their office and say, hey, they didn't do their job. It's just that the evidence doesn't support the charges. And really, there is no district attorney in New York or any other state in this country that should have secured an indictment based upon the facts of this case. Yeah, based upon not just the testimony of the defendant at this point, Danny Penny, but on the testimony of those in that subway car who were grateful to Danny Penny and whose lives uh, they themselves believe 
were saved by the actions of Danny Penny. So what is the next move on this case, Stephen Razor? Well, I'm working on it right now. I'm actually, uh, myself, uh, Tom Kniff, uh, we're all working together to uh, put in a reply to the government's answer. Uh, It, quite frankly, isn't going to take all that long to do because a lot of which we argued was not controverted in their motion, not effectively anyway. And as you know, Judge, when we're putting forth facts to support our argument, we will look for cases uh, where similar types of cases have happened where judges have made rulings that support our arguments. And we did that in this case. So we set forth those cases that support our arguments. And if you could believe it, the district attorney did not offer any cases to refute. So, Stephen Razor, you go right back to work. Thanks for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Thank you so much, Judge. Have a great day. You too. All right, folks, you heard it from uh, people who know of what they speak. Uh, Colonel David Hunt, uh, Dr. Kanta Ahmed, and Steve Razor, all of them in different ways fighting the good fight on behalf of the United States uh, and on behalf of those uh, uh, who have been wrongly accused. Uh, right now, we have witnessed the exchange of prisoners, uh, 150 uh, Palestinian prisoners. Remember, they are convicted of crimes. Uh, for 50 of the hostages held by Hamas. When you consider the fact that there are another 150 hostages, it'll be interesting to see what demands Hamas makes. Uh, and, and credit goes to Israel for uh, this three-to-one exchange. They've indicated their good faith, uh, willing to give over convicted terrorist prisoners, women albeit, and children born in prison uh, for the 50 hostages at Hamas took. Uh, we're living in difficult times, folks. This is a, uh, a period when a a war between Hamas and Israel has, as you heard it from Colonel David Hunt, expanded into a regional war. And let's just hope that kind of stays a regional war uh, and doesn't get even bigger. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to continue to fight for those who've been wrongly victimized. Israel has suffered the greatest loss since the Holocaust. And the lunatics in this country and Europe who are saying, uh, you know, that Israel is engaging in genocide are so wrong it is so backwards but it's you know it's almost like uh you know black lives matter black lives only mattered uh if an africa if a black person was killed by a cop if a black killed a black nobody seemed to care it's the same here uh the only time it matters if arabs are killed is when an israeli kills pursuant to the laws of war and justified response arabs can kill Arabs all the time and nobody says boo, nobody marches, nobody gets out there and calls for a ceasefire. We've seen it happen over and over again. But Israel is being targeted. We've got to continue to support that country. We've got witnesses to the outrageous events that occurred. Uh, and when the left tells you it's all make-believe, they're out of their cotton-picking minds. Anyway, make sure you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place for the Judge Shanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone.